try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though, if you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. They were all up in your face. It is time once again, and I do mean once again, for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, welcome to it. Double dose, double dose of Protonic. Awesome ladies only. Uh, Again, if you've tuned in to the last episode with Dana Valoria of Waybreaker. We are now going to be talking to another fantastic lady, one of my favorite guitarists, uh, Miss Erica Dunn of uh, Tropical Fuckstorm, ModCon, Palm Springs, and just a, just an overall badass, major rager on the on, on the six stringer. Uh, Erica, are you with us? Spirit, Hi. please speak. Yes, hello, Hi, Erica. <laughs> Long time no see, my friend. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, it has been a long time. Uh, yeah, boy. Uh, it, it's you've got an awesome new ModCon single. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, trying to make use of the time, not being um overseas touring and playing and everything. We've managed to pull out a new record, which is great. It's fantastic. Yeah, I'm. I'm very excited for it. I was. A, I was a big fan of the of the previous ModCon stuff. And uh, it was a, it was a nice surprise when I came through. I was like, oh, look at this, more ModCon, fantastic. Yeah, and it was pretty recent. We had like a lot of um, funny obstacles to making the record. Um, we had initially tried, we'd done it like a, to a French tour in 2019 and tried to come home and record and had all these grand plans. Sure. And then um, Raquel, our drummer, um, sliced off a bit of her finger and we we had to postpone it obviously and then we tried to come back in too early and we just couldn't manage like you know it was just a bit of a mess and then COVID happened and we weren't able to actually go in um to the studio so it's been so long (laughs) so so this had the songs kind of been percolating for a while then and then it just sort of they came to fruition when yeah yeah we left um we had a few of those tracks um in the uh, in the set when we were touring, and they were new and they were kind of like getting a bit of a road test, um, and that was about five tracks. And then I think the rest were really fresh. Like I had written it and prepared to record, but then I chucked a bunch out and um, wrote quite a bit last year um, in lockdown and stuff. So 
yeah, some of it was really fresh. Like ammo that's been released, we actually I wrote it in the studio. It was the last one to get written and recorded. <laughs> we seem like, hold on, hold on. You got a piece of paper. You're just like jotting, jotting <laughs> stuff down. <laughs> oh, seriously. I was. I mean, I say it took a long time to come around, but also when it happens, you can't really be that prepared. And I'm certainly not yeah. like the most organized person. So there was definitely a few mystery cards, and ammo was one of those. And it was literally like on the street. I was pleading with John Lee, who engineered. I was just like, you know, this will get done. You know, promise. Like, I'll bring, I'll bring the lyrics tomorrow, or whatever. And he was kind of shaking his head, like, sure, you will. Checks in the mail. <laughs> yeah. But we we made, so it's cool. Uh, did you find that? Did like having the extra time kind of help the process at all, or was it, uh, you know, more? just kind of a push or was it even, you know, I guess even worse, I guess. Um, well, I don't know. I'm sure like everyone, it was a lot of um, existential <laughs> highs and lows over the last yeah. year. So <laughs> there were times where I was like, this band, we're not, you know, is it even going to um, <clears throat> like exist anymore? You know, there's yeah. so many just parts of our lives that were, um, you know, yeah, just so up in the air and the concept of trying to make music or keep a band together, like I'm not sure about your scene, but so many bands have just quit kind of thing yeah. and um, a lot of a lot of young bands and a lot of kind of, I don't know, bands that were sort of tenuous perhaps anyway or had sort of characters in them that, you know, nothing was really stable anyway and they just disappeared, which is so sad. So we definitely had... I definitely was sort of bracing myself for the Raquel and Sarah to just say, actually, when we come back to real life or whatever, um, we don't know if we can pull this off. And so I was absolutely overjoyed because they both were like, no, no, this is part of who we are and regardless, we have to keep doing this and we want to make this record like we said. So um, I don't know, the gap, it was just fucking crazy. I mean, Melbourne... (laughs) had 129 days locked inside, which is, I think, a world record at the moment. But, I mean, everywhere is struggling with the same kind of, the the same sorts of lockdowns and existential bullshit. So it was pretty intense. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I'm somewhat, I was about to say lucky, but I don't think there's anything lucky about it that that I, you know, at least have this show, which is is a thing that I can do. But what what you're talking about, it's... You know, I don't care if you're from, you know, where you are on the planet. Everyone's kind of in the same boat that way, which it has it been a weird unifying thing in that way. You know. Yeah, that's true. That is something that, I mean, that's true. I mean, of course, there are sort of various degrees of which people are getting hit hard and so on. But the the that sort of realization about the world just coming undone is something that's totally far-reaching and bizarre. And, you know, it's... Also, nobody like for a long time, nobody really knows what's going on, right? So it's sort of like everyone's just dealing with the best they can, and like, well, all right, I guess I'll just stare at the wall anxiously yeah. today. Okay, that's what's happening. That's my agenda. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How have you been going on, on the show? Like, is there you have to kind of wade through a whole lot of COVID chat? It's like everyone I feel like has these sort of degrees of therapizing with each other if that's, if that's yeah yeah it's, it's sort of like hey how, <laughs> how have you been during the COVID times it sort of is tends to be like a very uh a very quick uh in most cases quick hit that you know that's going to be you might hear some of the same things you might not and that's something where mm-hmm. it's interesting for people because even if you 
I mean, obviously, a lot of creative people listen to the show. That's like the bread and butter of the, the listenership is as folks that either are, have a heavy vested interest in you know weird music and and stuff like that, and or they make it themselves or they're creative in some other aspect of things. But the thing that I didn't expect is that just kind of hearing all of these stories uh, together, like from all these different people, how everyone is feeling the same kinds of things, the same kinds of anxieties, the same kinds of worries, the same kinds of, uh, you know, just existential dread that like, uh, yeah, it, that in and of itself can be uh, healing is probably the wrong word, but that in and of itself can be something where, you know, it, it makes you feel a little less alone. So yeah, that's, that is true. And it is an interesting time to be creative. Like, um, I mean, again, like, I've had serious questions about, I'm sure everyone has about, you know, what we're doing and why we're doing it and who we're doing it for. And um, it's funny when you feel the role that music has to play in a community as well. And I mean, for us, um, the three of us, like in ModCon, I think the band has always been a huge kind of catharsis and we're very kind of, we play these staunch shows and they're loud and we scream at each other and it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> as you and do, that's, right. <laughs> that's who we are. But then I felt conscious of, and, and, you know, the que- the song, the questions that the songs bring up and stuff, it's like the things that are going around in my cooked little unit mind. But, um, you know, I felt conscious of the fact that, it, I don't know, what does people, do people need, aggressive fucking songs in their up in their grill or like I just was kind of a bit of an examination of and I did have a little bit of yeah self-reflection about that I mean and it turned out nothing changed we still put out the same sort of music without <laughs> came back around yeah. for us. but I was con- I was conscious of it and I was like man maybe I should start a side project that's just like fuck it all don't worry you know yeah. I don't know I, that's not a good single but you know what i mean you'd be the don't worry be happy of the COVID era i don't know i don't know yeah, if that was a big hit down there it. but that, that was like culturally ubiquitous for like uh when i was in school when i was in grade school it was, it was a that that song was everywhere which would and it used to drive my dad crazy and that was quite hilarious in and of itself because i now i am oh. emphasizing with that before i was what's the big deal don't worry be happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah Maybe I shouldn't do it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, who knows what people latch on to these days, right? I mean, it's... it's. Uh, but, I mean, that said, like, I think that... I think that what you do is, is very... Uh, it strikes a chord with folks differently than just, like, you know, your average dude's yelling aggro band, you know? And, and I say that as a, as a compliment because I think there's something very unique to it. There's something that can kind of latch on to you in a, in a different sort of way. But when you are sitting around in a vacuum and you don't have, you know, the, the Heisenberg effect going on, the act of observation changing something or anything along those lines, it's very easy to get in your head about that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's true. And, and when, you, when you're not playing, you know, like our band is also very attached to playing and a lot of writing comes out of, like, stuff that the audience is responding to or things that, you know, are affecting us playing. When you don't have that, it's very strange. It's right. It's a vacuum. Um, it's hard. But anyway, we what have to do. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's it's. Right. it's <laughs> what can you do, right? I mean, but but, but I think that uh, you know, I, I was glad to see that there was new Macon stuff because, in the same way that again, there's a certain vitality to the band 
there's a vitality to what y'all do that I have seen the thing you've talked about where you see bands that just, you know what? I was getting a little tired anyway. I'm just going to pack it in. And you're like, no, I want to choose who breaks up. I don't want you to break up. Yeah, yeah, same. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, oi, sorry, come on, off, get off. I'm in an Airbnb and my dog's on the couch. (laughs) Fair enough. Whatever, I'm going to leave that. Um, So uh, um, I was... What was I just gonna say? God damn it! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm I'm derivating all over the place. My bad. Oh no, it's cool. Um, I was gonna say that we have managed to play a couple of shows now, which feels really good, and it's very, it's still a very strange context. Um, you know, we had a kind of launch for the single on the weekend, and they capped it at forty people, and it was just so. I mean, it was amazing to play and it was great that a venue can be open. Like, we're still in very small stages of opening up and stuff like that. And um, the COVID vaccine um, rate here has been pretty slow because we've been so lucky with the numbers and containing it and being an island or whatever. But that means that this vaccine is just so slow. And so when things do open up, it's just this tiny little ridiculous seeming scenario where there's 40 people and there was a line for the show and I was just sort of looking through it like no one, you know, so many people aren't going to make it and I had to hide in a cupboard. Like I was so anxious about yeah. like wanting to thank everyone who'd, been, who'd come out and then, you know, apologising deeply to every single person that got sent away. But then it's just sort of like rolling with this new context and everything just feels just so bizarre. Well, um, I'm glad you're speaking about it too because you're one of the rare folks that I've had on that actually has, has played shows uh so far like it's something where there, there's definitely like like you know uh nobody wants to be to be the one the first one to do it but everyone's kind of like waiting and oh did it, did it work did it work was it okay did anybody die yeah <laughs> <laughs> did they well, super spread walking to to see a show and i'm sure it's like that everywhere we had this yeah. we've sort of had bizarre stages of opening up and stuff and closing down again um as it rolls but we had a show at um there's a big venue here called city my music bowl and obviously it's outdoor and there were some shows in the summer where they were generous and sort of gave smaller venues like nights to um curate for their venues and so they could do it in this safe outdoors kind of setting yeah and tfs did one with king gears and um people were still seated though even though it was outdoor and there were like these little pens and it was like party pens and even though it was really weird and um it was like a cattle yard like looking out and then some people are so like you know like we're just gonna relax and sit in the pen like this and some people are literally like ah like yeah we're at a show and i'm raging in my party pen yeah (laughs) it was truly bizarre but in in general i think um I mean, yeah, there's been no uh, outbreaks because of a gig, uh, to, to my knowledge. There was one at a football state a stadium, um, which was a real bummer, but whatever. Well, and, and believe me, whatever you have going on down there, unfortunately, I think we have you topped uh, for just chosen facts nonsense uh, up here. 100%. <laughs> we're not, <Yeah. laughs> we're not, not very proud of it, but it's a statement of fact that that's kind of, okay, that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and just you know, just different circumstances at play, you know, so certainly whatever. It's just, it's totally different context, but, but it also, it occurs to me also that, I mean, 
Tropical Fuckstorm was hitting it pretty hard. Like, you guys were, like, really doing a lot of stuff. Like, and then it's just sort of, like, you know, we talk about zero to 60. Well, what about 60 to zero? I mean, that, that was just, <laughs> like, yeah. a full stop, obviously, for, like, everything. The world stopped. Uh, yeah. But that's a lifestyle change. That's a lifestyle difference. Was that, I mean, did you get, like, uh, <laughs> existential whiplash? Yeah. Uh, existential whiplash. I mean, guys would probably enjoy that. I think, it, uh, um, yeah, for sure, the band, it, you know, I'm sure I'm not um, saying anything new, but I remember we, on the eve of the outbreak, uh, really just hitting it in a global sense in sort of March, February last year, we were sort of had our date and we were ready to go and flying to JFK and then hit the ground running and I think we had like four tours back to back and a seven-month overseas kind of jaunt for want of a better word and um i just literally was like there's no way heathrow would close there's no way jfk would close like i couldn't i could not fathom and i knew that the some bad shit could happen i knew that there would be degrees of it but that's absolute standstill no way and um yeah so everything was thrown out and just you know, bands are so precarious anyway and so much hard work goes in behind the scenes and it's such a fickle, uh, you know, the world is such a fickle place for making music and whatever, um, hitting a zeitgeist or whatever the fuck happens when you when you manage to find an audience. But um, it was really weird and just such a bummer. It felt really cruel. And then, of course, in the context of the world, you can't just sit around and wallow in feeling hard done by so we had tried, we tried really hard to be productive. Gaz and I did a lot of like very funny <laughs> video, actually pretty pretty funny and also not productive um, video back and forth writing. <laughs> but we'd just be like, I've got a riff, send it. And he'd be like, but I can't see what you're doing. And you, or you didn't do the sound or like just really crap. Um, yeah, it takes, but just kind of keeping a vibe up. And then I live in the city and they live out in the bush. And um, me and Hammer at that time lived together. She and her partner moved to the bush as well, like a lot of people um, sort of trying to do. Anyhow, so I was in this thing in Victoria, which is called a ring of steel, which meant you couldn't leave the city. And these guys were free. And I felt like I was really letting the band down because they were able to sort of be together potentially and write and whatever. Sure. Yeah. But I was sort of just wrapped inside <clears throat> like you're happy for them but, but you're also like oh man that looks great <laughs> <Which I would. laughs> well yeah the ring of steel uh it was a very strange time it's like not be yeah anyway and so there was a couple of weekends on occasion where things did um we had two sort of big lockdowns or whatever and I, I got to go out at one point and we did those first two singles yeah um and then uh had a great time and it was just like the old days and then boom suddenly back lockdown and then it was a couple of months and it was really like it almost hit a standstill and um still trying to write and share things back and forth but really like i don't know how it's so possible to be really creative in that kind of as you mentioned like a vacuum so everything was pretty much on ice. Like I think Gaz and Fee did a, a couple of vocal takes of things and Hammer and Gaz maybe did some like weird rhythm and Gaz was building sort of some back, back, some beds of some weird ideas. But really when November happened, I sort of went up there and we almost three months spent up with those guys and made this fucking psycho album. <laughs> and in a, in, a, in a good kind of very um, healthy 
sort of way. Like we managed to take our time with it and because it felt so reckless and it's such an amazing opportunity on the context of the whole year prior where you're just so grateful to even be able to hang out and play and <laughs> potentially make something and there was no nothing on the cards so it just felt like, oh, well, there's no deadline that means and we can just take our time and, I mean, we're always kind of going hell for leather but it felt um, – yeah, just really good and fresh and exciting. And I think it's because of the year being deprived of what we had been so excited to do. It just, um, it was a good antidote. Yeah. Sure. No, and, and, and that makes sense. You know, it's, it's almost like in the same way that audiences, you know, are, are not likely to take a gig for granted <laughs> happening. Ah, oh, you know, I'll, I'll catch the next one. That's not that's not very likely to happen for for a bit at least. People have to re- rebuild that uh, that skin of cynicism around them <laughs> to avoid it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I think when you are you know with folks that you create stuff with, like you're you're almost thinking about it differently because you're also thinking about like, oh well, remember I was monologuing to my pet the other day, and all right, well, <laughs> this is marginally better than that. Right on. Uh, maybe, yeah. th- maybe that's just me, but uh, the <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm actually at the moment away at this sort of country place, trying to finish a Palm Springs record, and this is very funny oh. for me because um, I actually haven't spoken to anyone in about three days except for my dog. So this is fantastic. <laughs> I feel the same way just about this interview. It's so nice. <laughs> well, uh, I, I feel very honored that. Uh, well, first of all, I had to. I'm, I'm glad you decided to come on the show anyway because I wanted to have you on for a bit. But I totally, I also totally have gotten it during these times when people. You know, I've talked to some folks like you know I'm into it, but uh, I don't think that's a thing I'm going to do right now. But like, oh, it's okay. I get it. I get it. Yeah, totally. It's good. good to do it on the back of actually having put out something. I, if yeah. you had spoken to me last year, I just would have been like, um. I'm cleaning my room. <laughs> I'm mowing the lawn. I'm making a pasta. Yeah, like absolutely nothing going on. Remember when everybody was baking bread for a minute? That may just have been a U.S. thing, but like everybody was baking no, no, bread. No, no, 100%. I live <laughs> I like, in a warehouse, <laughs> and um, we each kind of had this really weird, like artisanal. Um, dipping the toe in the water of doing something really weird. I had two housemates making incredible sourdough, and I was like, "This is fucking great." Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the upside to a global course, pandemic. <laughs> yeah, the little wind, the little winds, fresh bread. It was all right. We'll we'll take we'll take the wind and we'll take the fresh bread as well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the rest of the rest of it can go jump in a lake. <laughs> hmm. Um, yeah, so TFS, <clears throat> um, we're planning, it's all again, just like, you know, fingers crossed situation, but we've got the album tour coming up in the, in Australia and, um, we're kind of pinching ourselves that we managed to do a national tour already this year with King Gears. And that was just sort of this weird stroke of luck that none of those shows were canceled and the yeah. different States having various stages of you know, infections or whatever in different states have been open. Western Australia was like, you know, there's a couple of thousand people there just hanging out and where people come from different <laughs> little cities yeah. and someone come and pick us up from the airport in Tasmania and they're like, this is the first time I've worn a mask. And you're like, really? You know, just because literally they don't have, they have been so remote yeah. and um If you're living in Tasmania, unaffected. maybe it's uh, you maybe you don't have that many people around you generally, so. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. They just talking to band foods and shit. No, no, no. It just was bizarre. And we, we were just so lucky that the borders were all open for those shows. So we have had a little bit of, you know, test running some of the new songs and yeah. just having a feeling of normalcy, which I think is incredibly rare. Um, of course, that happened and then everything got shut down again. And so we're just really crossing our fucking everything that the next couple of months we'll be able to at least do little shows around Australia and then see what happens from there. I mean, I, the, hope, the hope is that um, the vaccination rates will rise here and by next year things might be happening again. But, you know, we were in this situation where heaps of festivals from 2020 have honoured their lineups, <laughs> right? <laughs> which is just so generous, um, you know, because one of, you know, this heartbreaking scenario of like being booked to play Primavera is like, like a dream and then it just getting cancelled and they, they've managed to keep us on the bill. And so I feel like next year will probably be the last year that they offer it just because, yeah. you know, At it's a certain three point. years running that we've just been on. And I just, I'm just, we're all we're just hoping that next year that will be a possibility. But fuck knows. knows? I, you know, the, and there is, again, and just like how you're talking about region by region, country by country, city by city, even it, it all is different. Like I was talking to a friend and collaborator today City of Madison, Wisconsin, has some has has like the highest vaccination rate of the entire United States of America. It's something like ninety nine point five percent or something along those lines. Wow! Yeah, which is crazy uh, because uh, you know just over in Milwaukee, yeah, you, know, you go if you go about ten minutes out of town, it's like the, you can watch those percentages drop <laughs> considerably yeah. as you see the chosen fact <clears throat> yeah. crowd kind of doing kind of doing their deal. So it's it's almost like a precursor for. I think about, you know, uh, I don't know if it's the case down there so much, but it's it's been heavily politicized that sort of like, oh, you know, what political stripe do you fancy? Because that will show how you deal with whether or not this is a real threat. And I, I found that to be one of the most befuddling and crazy turn of events that like I wouldn't have believed in a sci fi book or something, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah. come on. No, <laughs> no. But yeah. Here we are, but what, what, what I will say with that is that there are places that you know have taken it seriously and have taken precautions, and it's something that I can kind of foresee. Like for myself, I wouldn't feel comfortable booking a U.S. tour right now, but I, I think like you know, come spring, uh, <laughs> glob willing, I think that we'll be doing doing much better, and and it's yeah. it's been interesting kind of see that turn happen almost over the last six weeks or so. While at the same time, there's this Delta variant that is now killing everybody and it, it, running out of control because of all the same chosen facts people. So yeah. that's an interesting dichotomy, and that's your COVID report. Uh, thank you. I'm Conan Neutron. But <laughs> what I'm driving at is what we've seen a lot here is that you've seen a lot of uh, you know, festivals and, and events that had to cancel out because of COVID. Yeah, they would just carry carry that line up forward. In some cases, like expanding uh, to another day to allow for more folks to be added or, or whatever. And it kind of seems like everyone went from like soft footing it forward to be like, oh no, that's just now it's happening. It's like, oh, did, okay, right. Like they just reached a point where they're like, fuck it. Yeah, I think that you know what I think. That, I think you're, I think that's it. I think it was just like. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, this is sort of really weird kind of fatigue. I mean, obviously, this is a TFS song about it, but it's like people are literally reaching the end where there seems to be a kind of crossroads or a fork where it's like, or you roll the dice yeah, and see what happens. And that's sort of 
stressful. Sitting there Um, staring at your roommate and being like, you know what? Maybe being threatened with death isn't so bad if we get out of this conversation right now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just like a human. It's just, I mean, you're talking about reading like a sci-fi book. It's just, it's true. It's absolutely the mind truly boggles and all the intersections of, um, yeah, this just, the, yeah, the, definitely like the, the politicization of the vaccine and this conspiracy theories and this like the level of human paranoia and this sort of human condition and the strange kind of default defensiveness that everyone's sort of going into. And you wouldn't, you, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's an American saying, but it's an Australian saying, you say you wouldn't read about it. It's just like, it's, it's just so, it's so messed up. Um, but yeah, I can, can, I can at least report that the gigs, you know, there's been sort of this strange thing, like we've been kind of having a circular, like, you know, music in these sort of times and what role it maybe plays. And um, the gigs that I've been to, um, it just was so strange to really reflect on what the hell a gig does for a community. And just like mm. I haven't actually obviously never had the time away from seeing gigs. I used to play so many gigs. I used to have a radio show myself and just be so um, involved in, uh, you know, music life here. And, um, hadn't had a chance to really analyze what was missing. And then the first gig back, it was like fully like, you know, I sound like a desperado to claim, but but chills, you know, and literally just like this bizarre feeling of people in a room. It's kind of got nothing to do with someone winning or making money or there's no <laughs> like, it's just literally about like your emotional content and your community sort of collectivizing ideas together it's fucking strange and i've never really had a chance obviously as i mentioned to analyze it but it felt really good and it's just sort of you know if we can all just keep on keeping on it's just so important so that's my little spiel but it was just really weird i just i know that i've always you know loved music and been such a mega fan and played music or whatever but to actually take a step back and be like oh man as an audience member this is just so fucking good it hits <laughs> and a little you don't harder. get it from anything else yeah. you can't get it from listening to a record you can't get it from reading a book you can't get it from yelling around a dinner table or whatever it's just so particular <clears throat> yeah I've, I've tried yeah. i've tried playing guitar at the cats and they just they just don't appreciate it the same way you know they, they no. just don't <laughs> no but i think you hit on something kind yeah. of important because it's 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 easy to take things for granted and mm. I guess, you know, me sitting over here being Pollyanna, I, I kind of hope that maybe that's something that people will think about, you know, that that's like, oh, yeah, this is this is precious. This is important. This is a big deal. Treat it as such. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's just this sort of like, you know, it's just sad. I mean, over here, the arts just kind of just get there's a lot of like you'll work yourself out. There's not enough. There's not, there's a little bit of like some sort of support. And so of course anything's just really I'm grateful for that, but like nothing in terms of propping up of other industries. And yeah, you just hope that people will find it's intrinsic worth because it would be just so fucked up. Um, yeah. So uh, just cause I like, I like the record and uh, because we were talking, it's been a while. I was listening, I was listening to modern convenience and it, it struck to me what a unique kind of sound you've created for yourself. And that it's almost like it, it's instantly recognizable to me at least. And maybe, maybe not to lesser ears, but to me it is. And <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't have a clue like where you're coming from 
guitar wise. Uh, but obviously, I, I know what what I've heard for sure. But like, what what got you in? What you got in playing in the first place? Like, what got you motivated to actually do it for real? Whatever, um, whatever that means to you. For real is a good question. I feel like I had a lot of time in my life playing in the suburbs, like busking painfully and um, <laughs> like doing doing backing vocals for sort of like a what you would call like a county fair type group was just horrific like <laughs> doing BVs, doing bvs to the box tops and shit like like old school covers of stuff yeah. and then you know just like i always like um i don't know just wrote songs and you know for a lot you know they're just awful 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 songs but whatever i had just had that as a part of my personality i had sort of like attached in, into that world in some way and then when I, at the end, towards the end of high school, I started sort of playing in punk bands, thank God, and obviously sort of like had the bridge to to letting my angst out in that way. And, of course, the music is still awful, but it was like a really great, <laughs> fun, you know, way to make friends and just like throw off regular ways that the people that are from my neighbourhoods used to go and socialise and they were just, I don't know, it was like... A particular type of people that I connected with and saw saw bands that were like speaking back at me and I was like that's my people and I get that's you know sort of tuning in and feel really grateful somehow for a couple of like strange coincidental events that led me into you know particular shows and particular band followings that you know completely altered the course um, and, you know, of course, like, as I get older and I reflect on that, if there was particular people who were, like, so um, fervent in, our, in these sort of communities who made those things happen. It wasn't a coincidence. It was, like, people who were working hard to make a really interesting community happen. And, um, anyway, I fell into it, for, for better or worse, and um, was in a couple of bands and got approached to do backing vocals for a band called Harmony. And I think it's still at this point in my life, like early 20s, I didn't consider myself a guitar player. Like I could play guitar and I play guitar in my, punk, in my in my punk band or whatever, but I wasn't like a lead guitarist and I wasn't very, never did any music training and I wasn't very proficient and I would just get drunk and smash it around. And the guy in the band, my good friend, he would play all the lead breaks and I just I was kind of happy with that. I was just com completely like that's that's your thing and I yeah. sing and I smash my guitar up and stuff. <clears throat> <laughs> and um, then <clears throat> some part of me, I don't know if it was, I'm not really exactly sure what was the catalyst. I think it was seeing a lot of other like non-dudes basically getting up in punk bands and actually playing the guitar so incredibly mind-bendingly cosmically and us just sort of had this revelation along the way I was like why aren't I doing that bit and why has that bit been separate from my music education why haven't I made that footstep into that and I sort of had a bit of a reflection on it and um, I just asked the first person and the best person it turns out to teach me and uh, Tom Lincoln who plays in the Nation Blue is an incredible punk band here um, and I was singing backing vocals in his band Harmony and still do, and um, he is just a mad dog. And he's like, "Fuck! I'll just come over and I'll teach you a couple of things." And I, and he's just such an open person. And it was literally just me, me reaching out, and um, 
And I think he, we just didn't really, he kind of went and did like the pentatonic scale or something. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> I was like, mm. and then he was like, and this is a major one and this is a minor one. I was like, mm-hmm. but, and I don't know exactly. I mean, I certainly, it was just more like the confidence and, um, a couple of things going on at the time where I was just like, fuck, I'm going to do that bit and I want to do that bit and and sort of putting my mind to it and um, then having this really weird other sort of thing going on at the same time where this um, old, um, I'm just going into detail because why the hell not, but this... Um, that's, you, this is, that's uh, what this show's all about, so please go right ahead, Erica. Yeah. A great, great guitar player and character to boot, um, a guy called Steve Miller, there's an uncle of a very good friend of mine. He played in a band called The Moodists, who were like a 70s, like around the birthday party era. Um, oh, nice. Dave Graney and Claire Moore and those kind of punks, old school punks. <clears throat> and he was um, a bit of a character at the time and ran a bar and I had frequented that bar. And one day he was just like, well, we could just start a band. And um, we started the Steve Miller Band. And um, <laughs> which was a very short-lived candle in the in the uh, in the wind, um, but was just this fucking catastrophic, excellent fun um, three-piece, and uh, it was a total mess. And I played, you know, me and Steve both played lead, and we just had our friend Phoebe playing the drums with no cymbals, and we managed to play somehow got booked to play like Australia's one of the biggest, best festivals. We played Meredith <laughs> and we wore cakes and we were just fucking idiots. And, but we played a lot of shows and um, I think I just fell in step of getting a different kind of education from Steve and the caution to the wind that he had about playing and just life in general. Um, uh, and yeah, that just led me like, you know, just to commit to it and just love. And I got many, many opportunities to play a lot and we recorded some, <laughs> we used to, I don't know, we had a couple of originals that mostly we played covers and they were all terrible. And Steve was just the character that he was. Like often he would like just leave the stage for a long time to go and find his lyrics in his bag or something. And me and Phoebe would just be left on the stage for ages and just playing this hot mess. And it was so fun and um and then, you know, at the time I was playing Palm Springs and just had a few projects on the burn and I just was more and more like, ah, oh, this is where I have the fuel to go in my life. Like I was doing other things at the time. I've always been a teacher and just been juggling um, and whatever. I think there was a point in time where I think everyone who really wants to do this and wants to commit has to sort of have this conversation with themselves as like, oh, are we doing this for real? Like how you said and it was just around that time I was like, well, this is what I'm this is this is what I'm doing. This is what I do now. And this is what I love to do. And once you crack into something, um, what whatever craft it might be, just it just becomes endless. Like it's your journey. So I'm just was learning so much and getting excited by so much and trying things out and then wanting to play with them and then write with them and you know. And so um, Palm Springs was happening and then um, that was kind of my folk thing. I, I still do that. It's like a nylon string kind of weird knockout outside of folk thing. But um, Raquel had come and played on a bit of drums and um, at around that time there was sort of this realisation where that was two kinds of songwriting was happening when Raquel was there. So it was like this outside of folk and then there was this way that we were writing songs together and that was basically the incarnation for Mod Khan. Yeah. And then when Sarah 
came and joined in on base was like, all right, this is the three of us now and this is this weird <clears throat> collection of our experience. And, um, yeah, it just went from there. Uh, and, yeah, I guess it's a different sort of sound. Like Raquel is a, an amazing um, uh like beat maker basically she she did she plays incredible music on her own producers and writes um for a project called various asses and has this way of writing rhythms on drums that are like melodies and we we really collaborate in the way that we sort of um she often writes to like how a weird lyric line might be of mine or a particular phrase in a half or something really fucking strange yeah. so i've really kind of we've built on that i think that's a real core and also sort of Sarah's got this sort of addition to her sort of deadpan vocals as a counter to my um, kind of yelling my head off. And she has this sort of like very sonorous sort of um, resonant bass, which sort of fills in a lot of like the, this sort of middle ground where then my guitar playing can be sort of really spare and interjecting kind of psychotic moments and then I think that they're, they're the sorts of ingredients if I was going to think about it um but we're just really also like good friends the conversation is often between us and I think people connect to it because they can relate to the conversations we have together you know like we are old friends I don't think there's many women let alone I don't know I, I think we're in our 30s and I don't think there's a very stable ground for musicians in their 30s to play punk sort of rock and roll music anyway but I think we're quite rare that we've got like 10 years under a bed of all of our 20s playing rock and roll and out with different projects in general and touring a lot and then we're somehow still in love with each other enough to want to keep playing and writing <laughs> and it's I think that's rare in itself so that's that's I think what makes the band different and we're going to keep going. I mean, you know, like we're already talking about the third album, which is just so psycho because we've only just finished You're the, just second, the one, second one. But it's a good, it's yeah. a good like barometer for how we're into what we're doing. And, you know, I'm very committed to those two and, and they are to me. So it's it's cool. Well, yeah, it strikes me as being something that a lot of what you mentioned kind of comes across when you're listening to the music. Like, you know, I, I've, I've never... I've never seen ModCon play, but it, it it came across very immediately as coming from that grand tradition of the unique voices kind of doing their thing uh, out of the overall whole, which ideally should be every band. But, you know, Minutemen style, mm -hmm. Gang of Four, or so and so. Like, 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 there being a sort of active listening that I, I generally... <laughs> I generally ascribe to female musicians more than dudes, just because dudes tend to... to, to a lot of times, I, I'm, I'm going to be reductive here, tend to want to show off a little more. Uh, mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's something I've noticed, you know, with uh, my own musical experiences is, is you just get a different kind of, a different kind of formation uh, for a band that kind of hits a little differently. And it's just, it's, uh, Tribal Fuck Storm aside, Modicon's great. Like, I mean, you could, I think you could play those yeah. songs for any, Anyone that's would be interested in the genre, like, hey, this slaps. This is this is wonderful. Uh, that certainly was my yeah. reaction to it. And I didn't know anything about. It. I didn't. I actually knew of Palm Springs years ago, because I have a thing. Every time a band names themselves after a place, if they're not from that place, I'm always like, well, why do they name themselves that? And I'll kind of like you know look into mm -hmm. it a little bit. Whatever. It's a very specific Kona Neutron thing, but uh, it's. Uh, no, I love that. 
I had the mayor of Palm Springs follow me on Facebook. I was like, oh. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Obviously an accident. But Palm Springs is sort of a, a um, oh, my computer's going to run out of battery. Palm Springs is kind of a stoner joke. Like I get clammy hands. And so when I, ah. when I first started playing, I was like really nervous all the time. And my fucking hands are slipping all over my guitar. And I was like, well, I got the springs. That's funny. So it wasn't um, even about the place at all, but. Yeah, but I did go to Palm Springs and, yeah, the place, I mean, certainly, like, I don't know. I, but I, I, I felt conscious of naming myself out of a place that I've never been and possibly would, would never go. And I had a very weird time when I was there. But. Well, it, it's kind of a place where people retire. Uh, and a lot of, like, mm. there's a lot of old folks, there's a lot of golf. Whereas on the other side of the, yeah. of the desert, it's more I like. I just have to plug my computer in. Okay, very good. Uh, yeah, the other side of the desert, there's. More like hotbeds of creativity. You have your you know, your your uh, Joshua Tree, Rancho de la Luna, Sky Valley, Cayus, all that stuff. Like you know, there, there's certainly um, <laughs> lots of people. And you know what? I'm gonna hear from some desert people by kind of. I'm not trying to trash talk Palm Springs. I'm just saying from my experience, it definitely seemed like, oh, this is this is yes. Many people retire here. I get it, and they like doing yes. retired people things. Okay, good for them. Good on you. <laughs> Quote unquote. Um, I, I mean, I, I just, I loved the, when I was there, we had just, I was just sort of passing through with a friend who was needed a break. She was doing like an audition circuit for Hollywood vibes in LA. It was really fucking intense. And I'd come out on a tour and I was like going to go visit her. And I was like, you need to get out of this town. Yeah. So, you know, being tourists, we just didn't know what to do. And um, we had a bit of a trip, but just the desert so, so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, mind-blowingly so. And we got lost. We did the textbook like we got out of the car and I was like, we'll go see Skull Rock or whatever thing was on the circuit in the yeah, pamphlet. Yeah, in, in, uh, the, and then, in the park, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then we just walked and we missed Skull Rock. It turns out you could see Skull Rock, <laughs> Skull Rock from the car. Yeah, it's like 20 well, we feet from the, from the road, yeah. <laughs> we just kept walking. We're like, you just keep going and it was really hot and we like, and then after a while, you know, I was like, do you have any water? My friend yes. was like, no. And she was like, do you have the map? And I was like, no. Uh, and then we just, <laughs> then we kind of got over a dune and we looked at it and I was like, we'll just climb this dune and see, look back to where the car is or look where we're going or where the path is. And we kind of climbed up to the dune. I was like, can't see any of those things. I was like, have this moment where it's like, we, we could be those tourists that are going to yeah. just perish out here. But we were fine. And uh, then, yeah, Skull Rock from the Car was really great. Uh, on the positive side of things, it's like the setup for like an indie film, you know, and then the, the bad side of things is yeah. maybe you end up in one of those Unsolved Mysteries episodes or something, which is not so good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. So, rookie. Well, and yeah. Yeah, so, and, and, and I, it's, it's cool to hear Sergio Path into you know, for lack of a better term, the, the, the music that people uh, ascribe to you and uh, that you've made. And it's, again, I we started in with that because I mentioned you have a very unique guitar style. And I think that's something that um, not everyone kind of comes out of the gate with that. It's something that kind of gets developed. And, and some folks have uh, interest in, in how they got there. So did you have an idea? Did you have more of an idea for like the sound of how you wanted to have too? Or is it more like song? What did this serve the song? Um, 
I think it's sort of changing as it, as I go along, but certainly like initially it was just like survival. As when I first started playing, I just was chucked in the deep end, and um, it was just getting through a live show with the best skills that I had, which was pretty crap. And um, then <laughs> then the you know, and I had ambitions because of course like I'm really interested in writing melody and like I write. Like I see, you know, like that's what's sort of interesting me and getting words to fit and painting pictures and all the rest of that sort of side of it. And um, and then the guitar certainly was like that's my tool. Like that's what I got to use. And and um, so I think I was always pushing myself more than the skills that I had. And I'm probably still doing that. But um, it's just afforded me a lot of time to hone in sort of I, I, I often am playing like a version of a melody line or like a counter melody line or something that fits in this sort of weird puzzle and that's certainly the way with mod come with TFS it's different because it's sort of like I'm a counter to gaz and yeah. there's sort of a different um where sort of a bit more of like a riddle and um um but yeah I think in answer to your question I think it's sort of what served the song and now, only now where I'm feeling a bit more like, I don't know, for want of a better word, proficient, <laughs> I am writing songs that are aside for, like I'll write, the, I'll write all the riffs first or like I'll get psyched about an idea and I, or it'll be something that Raquel and I have done and that will come like some of this new ModCon album is kind of based on that new kind of excitement about writing the riffs before the melody and stuff like that. Um, so it's a combo. Yeah, and finding your voice. And you, it, it did, and you kind of stole the next thing as follow up, which is you know doing it with one guitar in the band versus doing it with you know another unique voice that is yeah clearly well, defined well, and authoritative. Mindcon is definitely like it's it's just got this certain role. Like there's no other guitarist. There's no other way that those sounds yeah. are going to come up. And like that band is really sparse, and in some ways it's very essential, you know, like minimal. Even though I don't really describe it as minimal, but like I feel like everyone's role is very essential, and there's not heaps of chop on top. And we're just creating that, and it's it takes it's hard in a way. It's 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 a real challenge. And you know, in terms of overdubs and stuff, we don't really go down that territory of production. Whereas Tropical Fox Song is absolutely the opposite in, in a lot of ways. And right, maximalist. it's like <laughs> yeah. maximum, maximum, like the Pro Tools files are just unbelievable. And poor Gaz's mind trying to mix this album. And it's just like, what was the, what was, where's the track of the clock you struck three days ago at two in the morning? You know, and it's like, I don't know. Oh, you know, and it's like <laughs> kind of. I mean, he, you know, he is really organized, but the, in a way, but the files is just fucked. <laughs> and there's a lot going on. And it's like his incredible mind. Like he, when I talked about writing this new album, I didn't really make enough credit of the fact that he had done, like when he, when I talked about him writing beds or whatever, it was more like his brain was just, he's such, he's been playing guitar for so long. It's like, for him to be excited about making the music, if there's not a new element, what's the point in doing it? And in some ways I'm more like, you know, because it's awesome, because it's rock and roll, because it's fun. <laughs> and he's like, but he's kind of operating on this level where he sort of goes in and it's almost like he's created the palette. He's got all the ingredients first and, like, that's the, the jumping off point. And 
it's something it's stuff that's exciting to him and so you know some of those like in the new album uh, and give a fuck it's like in the new single that song was so fucked up like he had this sort of 15 minute loops of um synth beds that he was excited about and different um sample inputs and stuff and we had to make that track over i think three or four times before we could even put stuff in it he was like okay now these these are the beds and you you write some sick lines to these beds and i was like okay and then i would just play with the 15 minute loop and just try and create something and then we'd go through and cut bits and then fee would come and she then has to has the job of being the counter which is the base and work out what is a section i mean it's, a, it's i'm not even explaining right it's it was even there were points in that as well where we were just like why why are we doing this it's so hard um but it pays off because weird shit happens and especially when you're sampling or you're getting synth stuff that you're in love with a bits of rhythm the fuck ups are the things that are interesting and you just can't plan for them and so yeah. and you can't do them quickly it's not like you can go in and be like oh i've written this yeah, it's got this kind of element of having space for things to be unpredictable and then you grab them and you're like, that's the cool bit and you build from there and it's 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 immense. <laughs> so, so, so the three things that kind of occur to me with that is that, one, the space in ModCon kind of seems to be almost like an aesthetic, like part of the part of the overall structure. And that yeah, pretty much shows sure. that. Whereas with Tropical Fuckstorm, the maximalism definitely seems to be the – the, the raison d'etre in a lot of cases. But additionally, there was, and I'm going somewhere with this, trust me, uh, there used to be this Onion series called Justify Your Existence that was a very cheeky set of, like, small-scale interviews. Um, I feel like a lot of the Tropical <laughs> Fuckstorm songs all are doing a Justify Your Existence, meaning that, uh, and again, it's coming from a somewhat cynical but hilarious place that in this entire pantheon of music since the dawn of time, why does this have any reason to uh, be here and anyone to listen to it? Which, to be fair, I think most musicians go through with, you know, some more than others, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but, like, the the over-the-topness of the justify your existence on the tropical fuckstorm stuff <laughs> comes across that hearing, <laughs> the hearing you explain this process, like, makes so much sense. Like, of course that's what they did. Why would you, why would you send the yeah. easy way if you can do it the hardest way possible, you know? Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also funny, it's sort of this this record reaching a point um, where we had played so much and, like, if we were going to come home and write after we played, like, 115 shows or something in 2019 and if we were going to come home and record on the back of that and not include some parts of just us playing live and yeah. the, the sort of energy and... Um, relationship that we built would be crazy but then we had this year off and we hadn't played live together at all which is really as we mentioned strange so this record actually is kind of a combo of like the mad scientist um as i mentioned just we give a fuck fatigue and then also there's a couple of tracks on them that are dead set hitting our stride when we've come back after a year off trying to hit playing live together and you know, it, there's just a couple on the album which are sort of like press record and go. We're in the room together. We're playing them live. But I think actually now that I actually think about it, I think it's only two tracks. But the rest, it's it's um, it's the head fuckery described. Right. <laughs> well, and 
you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with a good head fuck. You know, whatever, 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 yeah. whatever works. <laughs> sometimes yeah. it's a, yeah. sometimes it's demanded. <laughs> uh, did you have the inkling that tires would connect with people in the in the way that it has? In the fact that like that song especially seems to be very poignant for folks. Yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Um, it's weird what people run with. I mean, Gareth. Like I was a backing singer on the Drones two tours before. Like I know I was friends with Yaz and Fee and Dan and everyone. But um, so like I have seen them in that other context quite a lot and been a fan of that band since I was like a late teen, you know. And like Gareth's sort of way of he's just his lyrics are just so fucked up, incredible. He just has this skill of capturing. Um, turns of phrase and then just rolling them into these narratives and that's where people, not many people go so hard about, he, he has no rules about how long a song could be or um, whatever and it, it's again funny from my point of view coming from a band and kind of writing that does a lot of distilling. Yeah. Like I write lyrics <laughs> <in> the very, <laughs> you know, I kind of think of a concept and I'm just like, it's more like a puzzle, you know, like you, then you kind of get distilled and you, it's, it's the, the lyrics have a place within the other instruments and whatever. And Gaz, he can just roll on for like 11 plus minutes. And um, yeah, Tires is one of those songs where, He's just captured a bunch of strange suburban anxiety that hits people. It's weird. It's kind of weird that it's it hits people in other countries, but of course, of course, when when you know when you're a bit objective about it, of course those sentiments are global. But like particular references to suburbs and shopping centres and like turns of phrase that are so in and of the suburbs around where we live and grew up. Um, and I, I think, I guess it's the sentiment that, you know, reaches out and grabs people, but it is weird. Like who knew, who knew that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, and it's, and it's a really weird thing as well when you kind of get into a sort of ex- exploring identity and stuff, what things really hit with a crowd and, and, and what people run with. And, um, Gaz's line about Australia's finest homemade Coke is really funny because, People sing it and they're like, what are you singing about? Like, why, you know, like that's a really depressing kind of like acerbic um, insight about Australia being like a kind of try-hard nation where we're just sort of getting loaded on like bikey meth basically and selling it for hundreds of dollars just so we can try and be like gangsters or sort of like it's this really funny kind of negative insight but then classic Australian audiences, they're just like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> like, yeah, we suck. We, we used to have a, fra- um, a phrase in my old band. We called it celebrate the stupid. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I don't know if it's like, we're so, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's also just really sort of, um, it's a really sad song. It's kind of, kind of captured this sort of hangdog part. I mean, it's very like, classically written about an Australian identity and I don't know if I ascribe to it heaps but it's like you know about being the underdog nation and yeah. it's colonial history being um you know like uh, just this sort of backwater and um trying to be something that it's not and having a lot of 
secrets and stuff like that. And it's all within that song, I think. Um, but it is interesting. It's funny. People sort of understanding that and just celebrating it being out in the world or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, where, where the, it's almost like the individual details of it matter less than the the feelings that it brings out of folks. Yeah, yeah. But then I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I literally do think a lot of people where it hits is like they have had people that have had just fucked up runs in with the law and mental health psychosis gone wrong and just like interactions with trying to buy drugs in this way and just. I do think that also there's a lot of it that just literally strikes a real chord in some degree, you know? And, like, anyway, I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's funny that it's so loved. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, it's 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 nice that anyone latches on anything at all, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Exactly. That is word, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Erica, this has been so awesome and I'm, I'm so glad you agreed to do it and uh yeah been- thank you so much Great to chat it's kind of blowing my mind if you could kind of see where we are in absolutely the middle of nowhere it's so blowing my mind to be able to chat with you and where you are and it's cool i, I i'm not just sitting in a formless void with my logo behind me i'm actually in, in a basement in milwaukee and it's hot as balls outside uh but <laughs> <laughs> well it's minus one here so you know we've got that yeah, the, the 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 different uh, the different seasons and all. Uh, last thing, only can question that I ever have on the show. You can choose to interpret this however you like, but why do you do what you do? Ooh, I just wouldn't be able to live otherwise. I think I would be a boring shell. I think I would be completely mad. Um, I don't. I uh. There's just no other option. <laughs> um, you know, if people were into it and listening or not, I think I'd still just be that open mic guy. I'd move to the desert and just, you know, just have my own pub and do karaoke every every weekend or something. <laughs> There's worse ways to spend a life, yeah. I suppose, huh? Right? I mean, that's... that's, that's <laughs> yeah, maybe it's an ambition, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's the shortest answer. Fantastic. All right. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. So default, your daddy's most classic pinup of the California coast. I couldn't trust your heavy stare, the poly cotton.
Ammo by ModCon. That is uh, the latest single. The latest single by ModCon. That's pretty new. So you could get that in the uh, places that you normally get your your music set. Before that, we had a little band called Tropical Fuckstorm. Can you hear me now? With Who's My Eugene. That's off of the Brain Drops record that came out in 2019, which seems like it came out in 1973 as, as far as timelines go. But uh, that is, of course, both of those sung by Erica Dunn, total badass. Pleasure to have her on the show. Fantastic. Hope you guys enjoyed that. The name of the show is Kona Neutrons Proton Reversal. This show airs Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific on RadioNope.com. Say yes to Nope. Tonicreversal.com for the archives. If you like the show and want to support it and or get episodes sooner, patreon.com slash protonicreversal. One dollar a month will get you there. Signing off. Mr. and Mrs. America, all the ships at sea. Thanks to everyone for uh, sharing the episodes around. Everyone within the sound of my voice. Giving a positive review on iTunes and things like that. It seems hokey as hell, but we'll find out about it. 50,000 watts of power. Oh, yeah. Subscribe to the show if you if you listen regularly because that helps as well. And you can find out about stuff you didn't know. Just saying. Also, uh, Proton Conversal on YouTube as well. Uh, and thanks for listening. I appreciate you. Stay safe out there. Can you hear me now? Out on Route Take it easy. Dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? Broadcasting if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Radio.